Today's scripture reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Keep your heart with vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Proverbs 10, 11a. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Proverbs 10, 21a. The lips of the righteous feed many. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword trust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12:22 Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are in his delight. Proverbs 15:23 To make an apt answer is a joy to men. And a word in season, how good it is. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This is God's word. Thanks, Kitty, for reading scripture for us. Uh, as you've noticed, we are not looking at any particular passage in Proverbs, but we're looking at a whole host of verses in Proverbs, some of, the, some of which are printed in your ministry guide, so that hopefully will help us follow along as we hear God's word. What's the one thing that we do every day that could cha potentially change the course of our life and perhaps also the cause of other people's lives. What's the one thing that we do every day that could have that kind of effect on our own lives as well as on the lives of other people? It's our speech, right? It's, it's what we say. And it's not even the big things that we say. It's the, it's the little things that we say day to day in the routine, mundane uh, course of life that could have huge consequences on lifetimes. So we're in the middle of a sermon series, this mini-sermon series in the book of Proverbs. And as we heard in the previous weeks, Proverbs focus, focuses on wisdom. Uh, what, does it, what, what does wisdom mean? Uh, I think a good definition of wisdom is just knowledge made practical. Right? Knowledge made practical. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of God's truth, but not just an intellectual knowing of God's truth, but knowing God's truth in a way that it's lived out in our lives, made practical. And, and Proverbs is a, is a very practical book. Right? Proverbs looks at uh, practical life matters like our relationships, uh, like our sexuality, work, wealth. And, and today we have the opportunity to think about what Proverbs says concerning the very practical matter of our words. Our words. And Proverbs urges us to be wise with our words. Be wise with our words. So Proverbs calls us to, to move from just being a hearer of the word to being a, a doer of the word. And one way in which we show that we are a doer of the word is in how we use our speech. How we say things to people. Why we say things to people. So in, in our time together, I just want to focus on three vital truths about our words that we can find in the book of Proverbs. Just three vital truths. Number one, our words are powerful, our words matter to God, and our words reveal our hearts. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to get some water. So three points in our sermon 
this morning. So, so let's begin. Our words are powerful. You know, you may have heard of this children's rhyme, right? You know, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> I know kids say it all the time, but you know, we know that's not true. I think in our own lives, we, we know how words have hurt us. And perhaps we, we also know the, uh, I guess, the pain of hurting others with our words and, and leaving a trail of broken relationships because of things that we've said. Uh, I think a very powerful example of this is Twitter. You know, you know how, what's the character limit in Twitter? You know, it used to be 140, I think, but now it's 280. So to, uh, each, tweet, each tweet has a 280 character limit. Not, not word limit, but character limit. So letters, right? 280 characters. So, so you know, that's about 50 words. But you think, you know, think about the trouble and controversy that a 50-word tweet has caused, right? Especially from prominent politicians or celebrities, right? Just, just 50 words, and it goes viral, and it creates a whole storm of controversy, not, not just in one country, but around the world, right? Just 50 words. I mean, that should tell us that our words are powerful, well, of course, we don't need to go to Twitter. I mean, we just read the book of Proverbs. You know, a number of verses in Proverbs highlight the impact of our words, you know, the, the impact our words can have on our lives as well as on the lives of others. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 12, verse 18 There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, do we realize that our words can either hurt or heal? Now, I like the imagery in Proverbs 12, verse 18. You know, our, our words can be like a, a murderous knife, right? Sword thrusts. Our words can be like the knife in the hand of a murderer. Or our words can be like, like a, a surgical scalpel in the, in the skillful hands of a surgeon as he makes precise incisions, not, not to ultimately harm, but to bring healing. Right? Murderous knife or a surgical scalpel? How do we use our words? You know, how does our tongue kill? Let's think of some examples. How does our tongue kill? Words can be used as weapons to tear down. Words can be used out of anger, frustration, bitterness. Now, we can say things to hurt, to slander. We, can, we speak selfishly to make ourselves look good in the eyes of others. We, we use our words to trumpet our own opinions, our own preferences. We, we use our words to protect our interests, our own interests. So we put others down, we gossip behind someone else's back. Now, these, these are just some examples of how our words are like a murderous knife, sword thrusts that harm. But how do our words give life? Words can be used as, not as weapons, but as tools for building, right? construction tools to build. We can use our words to encourage to heal, to comfort. You know, as, as, we've, as we've experienced recently with the sudden passing of our sister Michelle, words can be used to bring comfort and healing. Words can be used to make peace, to bring reconciled relationships about. Words can be used to build up, to give thanks, to uh, love. Our, our words have the power to strengthen and give life. And because our words are powerful, Proverbs urges us to love the tongue. Yeah, to love the tongue. What does it mean to love the tongue? It, it means to treasure our words, to cherish what we say, because what we say has potentially eternal consequences. There will be good fruit if we love the tongue. There will be good fruit if we treasure and cherish our words. So we need to ask ourselves this searching question or this series of searching questions. Who are we serving with our tongue? 
Now, who are we serving with our tongue? God or ourselves? Whose kingdom are we building with our words? Our own kingdom or the kingdom of God? Now, do we use our words to boast of God's greatness? Or do we use our words to boast of our own greatness? Who, who are we glorifying with our words? God or ourselves? Now, the wisdom of this world tells us to use our words to get what we want. Right? You know, things like be assertive, speak up for your rights. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, this, this is the world's wisdom in saying you know, the wo- our words are meant to be used to get what we want. You know, we, we use our words to win arguments, we use our words to prove ourselves right. We use our words to advance our own interest. You know, some, I came across this article. Some academic studies have shown, interestingly enough, that the best way to win an argument is to be confident and loud. So it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong, but the best way to win an argument is to be confident and loud. And we see this happening in social media. Right? You think about the people on social media that have the most followers, uh, they tend to be the ones who are the most opinionated. They, 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 they're not necessarily right, but they have a lot of opinions. And they, they're the ones who garner the most followers. Now, now, this is the wisdom of the world, right? Kind of say things loudly, say things confidently, and then more people will listen to you. But the question, is, the question we should be asking is not what works in the world, but what God wants of us. Worldly wisdom says that we should use our words to get what we want, God's wisdom says we should use our words as servants. Right? Not to serve ourselves, but we should use our words as servants to serve others. Our words are meant for building others up. We face a choice between being self-centered in how we use our words or other person-centered. Now, our words can be powerful tools in the hands of our Redeemer. And he can use our words to bring grace and strength to others, blessing and life. Proverbs 10.21 The lips of the righteous feed many. You know, the word feed literally means to shepherd. You know, the, the, the lips of the righteous shepherd many. You know, the idea is wise words shepherd people. Wise words lead and guide people to the green pastures of God, the green pastures of God's grace, where they find restoration and rest and nourishment for their souls. Our words are meant to be shepherds. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord uses our words as shepherds. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, right? a beautiful picture of living water giving forth life. Not, not a stagnant swamp or pool that breeds mosquitoes, but, but living water, you know, flowing streams that give life to those who drink from it. What does it look like to have a mouth that is a fountain of life? You know, sharing the gospel with someone, right? speaking of Jesus to someone, that that's how to use your mouth as a fountain of life. Affirming someone. Your mouth is a fountain of life. You know, it's very helpful to read the, the New Testament letters. You know, what, what's one thing you notice in many, many New Testament letters? They always begin with thanksgiving. Right? And, and the New Testament writers always start with, I thank God for you because I see all these things in you. Right? That, that's a good example of affirmation, affirming someone. Paul and other New Testament writers using their words as a fountain of life, bringing strength and encouragement. Now, you know, you read the letter to 1 Corinthians. If, if, you, know, if you know the letter of 1 Corinthians, the, the Corinthian church is a difficult church. Right? It's a challenging church. It, it has division. Uh, it has immorality. Uh, lawsuits among believers. I mean, the church in some ways is a mess. 
But how does Paul begin his letter to 1 Corinthians? If you have time, just look at, just take a glance at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul starts off by what? Affirming them. I thank God for you that, that you are rich in speech and knowledge and that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift. I mean, isn't it amazing that, that Paul can write to a church in so much difficulty and he says, I thank God for you. That's biblical affirmation. And, and scripture calls us to use our words to give life in that way. To, to notice evidences of grace in one another's lives. So not just point out the flaws, but to notice evidence of grace and say, I thank God for you. When's the last time we did that to someone? When's the last, wasn't, when's the last time we said something like that to a brother and sister in Christ? Words are a fountain of life when they bring comfort. We bring comfort to the hurting, comfort to the weak, comfort to the discouraged. Words are a fountain of life when we lovingly call someone back, someone who's straying away from God and we go after them, we pursue them in love and we, we call them back. That's how they use our speech as a fountain of life. You now our words have the power to either build up community or to destroy community. That's, that's how powerful our words are. We either bring unity or we sow discord with our words. Proverbs 11 verse 11. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Not, not even just the actions, but the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Wise words strengthen relationships, build community, build unity. Wicked words sow discord and division among people. Wicked words undermine community, destroy whole cities. And I hope we realize that the, the health, our health as a church, our well-being as a church, depends on what we say. Not, not just what we do, but our well-being as a church depends on what we say. Not just what we say to God, but what we say to one another. And we exalt God's city, the church, when we use our words to build up, but, but we destroy the city if we use our words like sword thrusts to criticize, to tear down, to rob of joy. You know, and, and really the church should be a, different from the world. Right? The, the church should be a, a distinct community. You know, we as the church ought to be a community of safety. A community of safe refuge where wounds are healed, where brokenness is mended, where lives are restored. This is the kind of culture that we should be building as the people of God, a safe place for the hurting, a safe place for the discouraged, a safe place for the broken. How, how do we create a culture like that? How do we create a place like that? It's with our words. It's with our words. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What kind of good works does God want, us, want, want to see in us? He wants to see words that exalt a city. Words that build community. No, we, we, we should be a city on a hill, a city that shines the love and grace of God so that outsiders want to come into this community and find healing and restoration through life. I, I think it's a great tragedy. You know, I, I've heard this from a number of Christians. And I think it's a great tragedy when the church becomes like the world and people flee the church to find community elsewhere. Oh, that, that grieves my heart. I've heard some Christians say that, you know, that you know, I can't share with people in the church because it's just not safe. I get judged. People gossip. I, I feel safer sharing with my friends outside. I think it's great to have friends outside, don't get me wrong, but, 
But I think it's a great tragedy when the church community is no longer a safe place to bring healing and restoration. So friends, we, we, we have to think seriously about these matters. What, what kind of city are we building? What kind of city are we building? Are we a city that encourages, are we a city of refuge? Right? Like, like those in the Old Testament that encourage people to come in. Or are we a city that actually causes people to flee? To, to run away, to find refuge somewhere else? Our words are powerful. Second point, our words matter to God. And because our words are so powerful, it's no surprise that God cares deeply about how we use our words. And why, why is that the case? Because communication is a gift from God. You know, communication reflects God's character. Do we realize that our God is a speaking God? Right? He's not a God who remains silent, but He's a God who speaks light out of darkness. He's a God who speaks life into the universe. He's a God who reveals Himself how? By His words. And then He follows up with action. And He explains His action with more words. Our God is a speaking God. So when we speak, we, we reflect the character of God. When we speak, we image God. So because we are meant to image God with our words, God cares about how we use our words. We either represent God well with our words or we lie about God with our words. And friends, we realize that our words are not our own, but our words belong to God who has made us. And He uses our words for His glory. Proverbs 12.22 Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Why, why does the Lord hate lying lips? Because they, they twist the truth and they misrepresent Him. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. God wants us to act faithfully with our words. Well, what, does that, what does that look like? What does it mean to be faithful to God and wise with our words? Just two sub-points here. Number one, speak with grace. Speak with grace. Proverbs 16 verse 24, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Gracious words convey God's love, mercy and compassion and grace to someone. Gracious words strengthen, encourage and build up. Now, gracious words are sweet, refreshing, nourishing to the soul. You know, I, I'm, you know, perhaps you've had this experience before. You, know, you go out for lunch with a dear friend uh, you, or you, go, you grab coffee with a dear friend, you sit down, you, you have a conversation and, and your friend just speaks gracious words to you. Your friend affirms you, encourages you. And then after lunch, after coffee, how do you feel? You feel strengthened. You feel refreshed. You feel restored. I think that, that's what Proverbs is saying. When we have those kinds of conversations, we, we leave those conversations feeling that, yes, I, I can continue. I can press on. I can continue to trust in God. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. God uses our gracious words to give grace to others. And it is an amazing privilege to be used by God in this way. You know, as a church community, God uses us in one another's lives. You know, God calls us to give grace to one another. You know, this, could, this could seem surprising because sometimes we think of God's grace as just coming to us directly. You know, that, that's true. But God often uses instruments, doesn't He? He works through people. Just ordinary people. You know, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And God uses us to give grace to one another. What are, what are some gracious words? Let me, let me give you some examples of gracious words. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Those are gracious words. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those are gracious words. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Gracious words. Friends, we, we have a boundless store of gracious words. Right? This, this Bible is not meant to be just read and hoarded. But this Bible is abundant treasure. This, this Bible is a, a rich, never-ending storehouse of gracious words. It's all in here. Friends, do we realize that we have God's riches of gracious words? We are stewards of the very words of life as God's people. God wants us to be channels of His life-giving grace. You know, we, we live in the wilderness of the world during the week, right? whether it's in our families or in our workplaces, in our schools. Uh, we, we live in the wilderness. We, we struggle during the week with all kinds of things, with all kinds of relationships. This community should be an oasis of grace, a refuge for weary souls where, where these gracious words are spoken where these gracious words are giving life to one another. So can I encourage us to, 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 to use God's word in one another's lives, to speak gracious words and, and to really give strength to one another. I think that's why Paul exhorts us in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, let the word of Christ be full, you know, fill us up let the word of Christ fill us up. Why? Paul goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. You know, Paul doesn't just say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, full stop. But he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that you may teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, so that you may speak gracious words to one another, words of life, so what we say should be gracious. How we say it should also be gracious. It's not enough to be right about something. Right? It's, it's not enough to be right about something because we can be right about something and say it in a proud, impatient, or self-righteous way. We can say the right thing in very ungracious ways. So our motivations for speaking should not be to justify ourselves or to prove that we are right. But, but the motivation for speaking should be really the good of the other person. You know, and and, and if, if what motivates us is the good of the other person, then it would also change how I say something. Because I know that the point in saying something is not to prove I'm right or to win an argument. That the point in saying something is to help the other person. You know, that, that's, that's what it means to be motivated by love for the other person. And if I'm motivated by love, for the other person, then I would say something in such a way as to make it easier for the other person to hear me. Right? That's what it means to be motivated by love. And, and that shaped how we say something. If, if we're motivated by love for the other person, if, if we seek to do good to the other person, then we'll speak in such a way as, as to help the other person listen to what we have to say. So we will speak the truth in love. Not, not shouting the truth at someone, not criticizing someone with the truth. No, but we're speaking the truth in love so that the other person has the ears to hear. And then we kind of lower their defenses. Right? We make them amenable to hear from us. So it's not just about saying what is right. It's saying it for the right reasons and saying it at the right time. Proverbs 15, 23. To make an apt answer. Not just a right answer, but an apt answer. An appropriate answer as fits the occasion. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season. You know, so it's not saying the right thing at the wrong time. You know, so for example, if you know, like, like if Claire comes back from work and, and, you know, and she's stressed and tired, I'm not going to start telling her about how she needs to 
you know, follow God better. <laughs> just going to wait, right? Why don't you settle down first? Uh, yeah, just relax, put your feet up. Can I care for you? And, and then let's talk about these things. Right? So saying the right words at the right time, in the right season. You know, to make an app answers a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. How good it is. Speaking with grace means speaking with humility. It means being slow to speak and quick to listen. Before we speak, do we first hear from the other person? Do we get the other person's side of the story? Proverbs urges us to be careful and thoughtful with our words. Proverbs says we should be careful of talking too much. You know, Proverbs never says, don't worry, no, be careful about talking too little. But it says, beware of talking too much. Proverbs 10 verse 19. When, ver- when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. You know, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. You know, it doesn't just rush to say something for the sake of saying something, but ponders, thinks about it, weighs our words. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. 17.27 And immediately after that verse, 17.28, it says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Better to remain silent and be thought wise than to open our mouths and be proven a fool. Right? That, that's, that's the very earthy, the very practical counsel of Proverbs. So, speak gracious words. And number two, turn away from, gracious, from, from crooked speech. Proverbs 4.24 Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Crooked speech is the opposite of speaking with grace. Right? Crooked speech twists. It, it, make, it bends out of shape. Right? That's what it means to be crooked. It deceives and corrupts. It, it criticizes. It puts down. It hurts. It discourages. Crooked speech gossips, slanders, stabs others in the back. Festers bitterness, anger, frustration, hatred, discontentment, robs us of joy. I mean, we can multiply these examples. I mean, that's what crooked speech does. Foolish words not only harm others, but they, you know, they, do, do you realize that foolish words ultimately come back to bite us? Right. Proverbs 18 verse 7. A fool's mouth is his ruin. Not other people's ruin, but a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Now, wh- why is that the case? Right, you notice that every time we, we use our words in a hard way, we, we're, we're slowly hardening our hearts, not just to the other person, but we're hardening our hearts to God himself. Right, we, we, because we're made in God's image, and the other person is made in God's image too, and if I keep saying hurtful things to someone else who's made in God's image, it, it's inevitable that I'm hardening my heart against God as well, who, who's made that person in his own image. French, uh, friends, foolish talk damages our soul. I think that's why Proverbs is so concerned with how we use our words, because ultimately, foolish talk hurts us. It hurts our relationships. It, it hurts our relationship with God as well. Now, we, we cannot love God while saying hurtful things to those made in His image. James says this to us in a very powerful way. Right? James 1. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, if anyone thinks he is religious but doesn't control his words, but deceives his heart, James says, this person's religion is worthless. It's worthless. Now, we, we may say that we know God, we love Him, we follow Him, but if, if our words prove otherwise, then we really do not know God. Our religion is worthless. So, Proverbs says, guard against crooked speech. Guard against gossip. Gossip is, is, a, is a very present danger in the life of any church community. But what's gossip? 
Gossip is when we talk or listen to talk about someone without them knowing. That's gossip. Gossip is when we talk or listen to talk about someone else without that person knowing. You know, in, in, a, in a Christian setting, church, uh, gossip can often disguise itself as a prayer request. You know, I, w- I want to pray for this person, so let me tell you all about this person so I can pray for them. <laughs> gossip can disguise itself as showing concern. Oh, I'm really concerned about so-and-so because he did. So I'm really concerned. You know? <laughs> really concerned. You know, gossip doesn't help the person. Why? Because gossip, gossip doesn't talk to the person directly. right? Gossip doesn't address my concern with that person, but gossip talks around that person. It talks behind that person. And because the person doesn't know, the person can't be helped. So, so gossip is ultimately not loving. Gossip creates mistrust. It creates suspicion among people. And, and Proverbs warns us, gossip can spread like an aggressive cancer through the body of Christ. Because gossip is often tantalizing, right? we, we like listening to gossip. Proverbs 18 verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner depths, the inner parts of the body. You know, Proverbs says, you know, go- gossip is very compelling because you know, we all like to listen to gossip. Proverbs is very, very realistic. Just as we enjoy a tasty meal, so we like nothing better than a juicy bit of gossip. But God wants us to stop gossiping in his community. And, and God wants us to, to stop speaking gossip, but also to stop listening to gossip. Because both, both are needed in order for gossip to spread. Now, we may not be able to stop someone saying something, but we can surely stop listening. We can walk away. So we need filters, right? We need kind of gossip filters in our community. So here are some questions, gossip filters, to think about before we speak or listen to something. Have I spoken or heard directly from the person concerned? Now, if, if you're really concerned about someone, then speak to the person directly. Matthew 18, if, if your brother has sinned against you, you go and tell him his fault, just between the two of you. Have you spoken to the person directly or have you heard from the person directly? Uh, there's this really good rule to, 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 to keep in mind. You know, never, don't speak about a person, always speak to the person. Never about, but always to. Second question, has the person you're talking about given you permission to share with others? Third question, does what I say or hear edify and encourage the person concerned and others? Fourth question, does what I say or hear really glorify God? Is it an expression of love for the people of God, for those who have been made in His image? I mean, these are just simple questions to ask ourselves. Like they're gossip filters, right? So if someone tells you something and you're not really sure, just don't listen. Just tell that person, hey, you know what? What you're saying is really important, and, and it's important enough for me to tell you. You should really speak to the person directly. Don't don't tell me, but but go and speak to the person directly. Finally, our words reveal our hearts. Our words reveal our hearts. You know, we, we've, we've heard from Proverbs about how we should really watch our words. And our words are powerful. Our, our words matter to God and He wants us to use our words in gracious ways to, to build life, to, to bring life, to build community. But as we think about our words, we, we need to ask the, the deeper question, you know, where do our words come from? Why do we say what we say? Where do our words come from? And this is the reason why I brought this up here. Okay. Water in bottle, right? So watch, watch very carefully. I'm going to make this bottle disappear. No, 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 not. <laughs> Water in bottle. I'm going to sh- do this. What, what comes out of the bottle? Oh, let me ask you this question. Why did water come out of the bottle? Why did water come out of the bottle? Come on, I mean, it's, it's, it's a 
honest question. Why did water come out of the bottle? Sorry? Anyone? Precisely. Right? You know, some, no, the, the, the first answer would be, water came out. Why? Because I shook the bottle, right? But, but the question is, why did water come out of the bottle? Not because I shook it, but because there was water in the bottle. Why do we say what we say? Why do we say what we say? Is it because we're shaken? You know, if, if I come home after a tiring day and I raise my voice, at my wife, I raise my voice at my children. Is it because of them? If I say unkind things to them, is it because of them? Did, did my child put those unkind words in my mouth? Did, did Claire put those unkind words in my mouth? Did my stressful day put unkind words in my mouth? Where, where, why did water come out of the bottle? Because there was water in the bottle. Why, why did those unkind words come out of my mouth? Because there was unkindness in my heart. Our words say a lot more about us than we realize. Our words say a lot more about our hearts than we realize. You know, the, the people and circumstances in our lives are merely circumstances, right? They're the situations that we find ourselves in. But these situations don't cause those words. These situations simply expose what's in our hearts. These situations bring out what's inside of us. And, and then we speak those words. You know, sometimes we say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Actually, that's not true, you know. What we should be saying is, sorry, I didn't mean to say what I really mean. I didn't mean for you to hear that. I didn't mean for you to hear my heart. Right? That's actually what we mean. Our words reveal our hearts. And, and Proverbs says this, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart. Not just mind your language, but keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And Jesus says the same thing, Matthew 15, verse 18 and 19. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness. All our words come from our hearts. So, in order to win the war of words, we need more than just to watch, to mind our language. We, we need more than just to watch what we say or, or to kind of learn better communication techniques, right? In order to win the war of words, we, we need surgery you know, of, a of a very radical sort. We, we need heart surgery. We, we need heart change. If our words are to change, we need changed hearts. Ah, but here's the bad news. Who of, which one of you, you know, who, who of us is able to change our own heart? Thank you. No one. Can a leopard change his spots? No one, right? We, we can't change our words because we can't change our hearts. So how? Should we just pack up and go home and be really discouraged? So how? Proverbs has the answer, right? We need wisdom from outside of ourselves. Proverbs doesn't tell us, go try and be wise in your own strength. No, Proverbs says, God gives wisdom. We need wisdom from outside of, of ourselves. When, when we struggle with our words, we're meant to humble our hearts and go before God and say, God, help me. I, I, I can't change my heart. I, I can't change my words. I need your grace. I, I need you to take away this heart of stone that hardens itself against you and against other people. I, I need you to change my heart so that I say things to give life so that I, I, I speak words of life to other people. I, I need you, God, to change my heart. Only God can make us wise. Only God can make us talk less and listen more to Him. Proverbs 2, verse 6, The Lord gives wisdom. 
The Lord gives wisdom, gifts wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God is the one who gives wisdom. God is the one who speaks wise words to us. And he wants us to listen, to talk less, but to listen. You know, how has God spoken? How has God spoken? Isaiah 50, verse 4, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word, word him who is weary. You know, who, who says those words? It's the servant of God, the Messiah. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. Jesus is God speaking wisdom to us. Jesus comes, what does he do? He, he speaks the words of eternal life because he is the fountain of life. He died on the cross, rose from the grave so that he's able to give life to all who repent of their sins and trust in him alone. And by his grace, Jesus is the one who takes away our heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh, new hearts, hearts that love God and hearts that, hearts that love others, hearts that use words to build others up. Jesus is wisdom from God. And only by following him can we be truly wise. Only in Christ can our words be a fountain of life. Jesus needs to save us by his grace. He needs to change our hearts and we need to go to him again and again, asking him for grace, asking him for help. God, help me to stop saying hurtful things to my wife. God, help me to stop uh, provoking my children to anger. God, help me to, to stop gossiping. God, help me to stop undermining this relationship that I have in the church. How, how is God able to do that? By giving us new hearts through His Son, Jesus Christ. Only by the grace of God. We need, friends, we, we need the grace of God if we are to be a community of grace. Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp, you know, in, in the book Relationships, they have this really good quote. It says, if we are ever going to give grace when we talk, we need grace to free us from our bondage to ourselves so that our words may be liberated to be used by God. Friends, if, if we are in Christ, then he is Lord over our lives and he is also Lord over our words. Our words no longer belong to us, but our words are meant to be used as servants of Christ. He has saved us so that we might speak for his glory, not our own. Our words don't advance, our words are not meant to be used to advance our small petty kingdoms, but our words are meant to be used to advance the kingdom of God. Our words are meant to be used to bring encouragement healing and life. Our words are to be used as powerful instruments in the hands of a gracious Redeemer to give life and peace to others. Now, our words are meant to be used in this way. And how do we know if, our, if we are truly wise with our words? We will reap a rich harvest of love, mercy, joy and peace in the church, in our lives, in our relationships. James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. May it be so with our lives, may it be so with our words. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we, we need you to speak into our lives. Father, each and every one of us, we are completely dependent upon your grace. You, you, you say in your word that we should watch our words. And Father, as we come to you, we humbly confess that often we have not watched our words. Father, we have said things to hurt. We have said things selfishly to win an argument, to 
prove ourselves right, to put down the other person, to make the other person look bad, to make the other person feel bad. Oh, Father, we, we have used our words as weapons for our own warfare. Father, as we come to you now, we, we humble our hearts before you, we search our hearts. Even as your psalm tells us, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, pleasing to you, O God. So Father, we pray this now. In, in the quietness of our hearts, we, we pray that you would search our hearts. Reveal to us how we have not used our words to honour you. Reveal to us how we have used our words to hurt others, to undermine community, to sow discord and division. Father, we, we pray that your Spirit would convict us of sin. We pray that your Spirit would open our eyes so that we would see how we need you, how we need your grace. Father, we bring before you our broken relationships. We bring before you our unreconciled friendships, our estranged family members. Often we acknowledge, and we acknowledge that we have oftentimes been at fault. We have caused these broken relationships. We have contributed to them with our words. Father, help us. Help us by your grace. Reveal to us how you would have us follow you as your people. Father, we thank you for how you've spoken to us words of life through your Son, the Living Word. And Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, humble our hearts so that we would be open to receive life-giving words from you. Help us to be truly wise in Christ, to know your grace so that we would also be gracious with one another. Oh Lord, we pray for your strength. Have mercy on us, we ask. In Jesus' name, Amen.